Welcome into the Off Post Podcast. I'm Nick DeVlade. I'm with my co-host, Lucas Tashi. Today, Ole is no longer at the wheel. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about some uh, results for Champions League, go through the fixtures for this weekend, and then we're going to give you guys our bets for the weekend. We hope you guys enjoy the episode. What's going on, Lucas? Oh, I am buzzing, Nick. I am fully, fully buzzing. It's crazy what a week can do. Um, we'll, we'll get right into it. How about that? The yeah. big news of the weekend, Manchester United lost to Watford 4-1, getting absolutely thrashed. And inside of me, I felt so happy because I knew that was the end of it. That was the end of the early era. He finally got the sack Saturday night going into Sunday morning. He's no longer the manager of Manchester United. Um, after a performance like that, you just have to, you have to understand that he cannot take us to the next level. What I've been saying on the pod for the past couple of months. I wish I, I, I wasn't so naive to think that he could do it earlier. But I, I always wanted him to have that chance to, because he built the squad to what it should be now. I wanted him to have that chance and really uh, develop the team and try to take it to the next level. But you can see that he really couldn't do that at all. Um, very unfortunate for him, but he's still a club legend. He is still... He's done so much to the club, and he's brought hope back to the club. Before Oli was with us, there was no hope at the club. Um, we would just go in, like, match days and just be stale. Uh, and now Oli brings a sense of hope that, like, you can achieve good things. You can get the titles again. You can get leagues again. Um, we have the squad to be able to do it now, um, but he just wasn't able to take it to the next step. And... I'm sure all opposing teams, fans, are probably hating this news. Meanwhile, United fans are absolutely buzzing. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I agree with every take you had there. I think uh, I was kind of upset. You know, I saw, I saw the result. It was 4-1, and I go, Watford, what have you done? Because <laughs> I, knew, I knew that was going to be the end. Because after a result like that, you can't expect a manager to stay on especially given the previous string of results that he's had. Uh, he deserved every single chance to uh, start the season. Everything he had done prior to this year was really good on his part. The signings he made, I was in favor of over the summer. He had good analysis, even in the previous window when all he wanted was Bruno Fernandez, And then they finally got him, and we saw the impact that he had, right? So, so just... Just based off of the dealings that he made, he made some great signings. Unfortunately for him, he lacks a lot of things that you require tactically. And uh, his rotations were very questionable. You know, what he did with Donny van de Beek is, in my opinion, uh, extremely incorrect, right? Rather than sell him to a different club, you make him an empty promise that he is going to get game time. And then he barely ends up playing in your tenor. I think that, uh, you know, Carrick as the interim is only going to be an interim. I doubt that they'd ever want to redo what they did previously with Ole, where Ole was the interim manager. And then just because he went on a great run, you know, I think what Man United needs is they need a tactical manager, right? We talked about the list of possible coaches that they can hire. And one of them uh, I'm in favor of is Ten Hag. I think he's world class. Uh, you can you can also go the Zidane route. You know I've talked about how great he is. He's the second greatest manager in Real Madrid's history. There's no debate about that. His winning percentage, his ability to adapt to squads, and his man management, and his tactics are really really like the best qualities that he brings. And we'll see what what Manchester United do from here because it's gonna be difficult for them to to appoint anyone that they would want midseason given the quality and given how well the the teams are uh the other teams are playing other than Zidane right like if they if they were to go after Ten Hag I doubt Ten Hag would want to leave in the middle of the season given how well Ajax are performing in all competitions and I think we're going to get into that too uh later on yeah, uh, we definitely will get into that later on. And 
what uh, you you touched on this, but there's more managers than uh, Ten Hag and Zidane that are on the list. So just to recap everybody of what the list currently looks like for Manchester United managers, Michael Carrick is not an option. They are not going to have him as an interim manager. They're going to have him as like an interim to the interim manager if that is the scenario. But their number one priority right now is Pochettino. If Pochettino tells PSG that he wants to leave, Pochettino is then going to go to Manchester United. In turn, Zidane is going to go to PSG. So that's that's the likely scenario right now. Um, I don't think anything's going to happen uh, as of this recording. It probably won't happen. Uh, but that's the likeliest scenario. If that doesn't happen, another possibility that I saw was that an interim manager comes in uh, in Ralph Ragnick. The, he is the director of football of uh, MSK Moscow, I, I believe. Um, he's the manager that went into this attack pressing style where managers like Ten Hag, managers like Nagelsmann, Klopp, they all utilize his tactical uh, management style. So he will be the interim manager until the end of the year, and they would like to get Ten Hag in at the summer. Ten Hag will not come in in the middle of the season because, like you mentioned, he is having a fantastic season with Ajax. And... Uh, so that's what the likely scenario is right now. So the first option for United is Pochettino. Um, backup option, if it even happens, is uh, Ten Hag and Ragnick. Knowing the United board the way I do, none of that's going to happen. We'll probably get like Brendan Rodgers, who's the candidate that I don't want at all. Like at all. And I think you mostly don't want him is because of his lack of success at Liverpool versus what he's doing right now at Leicester, which is actually a really good job considering uh, the signs that they've made and everything. Uh, I would tend to agree. I think, I mean, those two candidates would definitely be, along with Zidane, right, if Zidane was in consideration, would be the, the ones you would want over Brendan Rodgers. And that's not a knock on Brendan Rodgers. That's just a testament to how big of a club Manchester United is, and also how great those other coaches are with what they've done. I think with Poach, uh, the thing you want with him is the development aspect of it, right? His ability to develop players and to, to bring them together. And he's tactically better than Ole ever, ever has been. So we'll see what ends up happening with who Manchester United appoints. They are better off now definitely than they were with Ole because uh or Ole because you know there was no real direction with how the team was playing and what where they were going so at least now that they know that he's no longer the manager they have uh and the players have some kind of optimism to look forward to something better uh and something hopefully that will show that this squad is capable of winning the league like we both feel yeah, I mean, the squad for sure is capable of winning the league. Uh, the talent is there. It's just the tactics and the way that they play, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you have star players, and you just don't know how to play. Um, and, and I think this is probably a good segue going into the Champions League results because they played Villarreal on Tuesday to a 2-0 victory. And we had some surprise uh, uh, showings with the starting lineup. Because Bruno Fernandez was dropped, and Donny Van de Beek started in the in the ten roll, uh, and the one thing that I want to point out with this game is that Jaden Sancho played on the right wing, and it was his best game of his United career. And I think this is the game that's going to propel him into that uh, next level. That he's going to get that confidence again. He's going to take on his players constantly. He played phenomenally that game. Um, typically before Ole came, he wouldn't get a su sufficient playing time and he'd be played on the left wing, which he isn't as efficient in. You can see when he's playing on the right wing, he's delivering crosses to, um, Ronaldo. He's taking his man on. He was very, very dangerous. And he, and Donny van de Beek, he didn't play the best game in the t number 10 role. I think he had a fantastic game on Saturday against Wofford when he came in. 
he deserved to start, but I believe he deserved to start in that number eight role. Um, he is more of the aggressive, uh, trying to win the ball back and then play that through ball, play that like line uh, passing ball. Whereas in the 10 role, he couldn't do that. He plays better in a 4-3-3 format, whereas the formation that we played on Tuesday was the 4-2-3-1, and he was playing behind Ronaldo. He needs to play behind Bruno and let Bruno dictate up top and Donnie right behind him. Uh, that's how we played on Saturday. And that second half, Donnie was very, very efficient. He was class. Um, but seeing those guys finally get starts, it's great. Because they're both really, really talented players. Jaden Sancho is so young; he's going to be a star one day. Uh, Donnie is also really young, also going to be a star. It's just about how the next manager can get them to that next level. But a two-nil victory against Villarreal, which secures their Champions League knockout stage. Uh, they secured first place um, away, which actually was a tough, tough game. But the first, it was a very boring Manchester United game. Very, very boring Manchester United game. Uh, yeah, uh, Ronaldo scores, and Jaden Sancho tops it off with the goal again. Uh, it really was great to see in that second half. But that that's it with the United game. Uh, Nick, what are your? Th- did you watch the game? What are your thoughts on that game? Uh, I did not watch this game, but you know, just watching the highlights and and uh, you know, it's it's very clear that that they they had like this cloud lifted off off of them, and you know, you you, you they did essentially what fans have been asking them to do, which is rotate Van de Beek in, give Bruno Fernandez a rest. And that'll allow them to improve greatly. I think with Manchester United, the outlook is is good. Uh, I I don't see them going past the quarterfinals in this competition, to be quite honest, uh, just because of the sheer amount of other teams that are just having better seasons, right? And you know, this is I have a fun fact for you, Lucas. I mean, Ronaldo, even though Sancho was probably the the best player uh, on the pitch. Uh, and I can't say that for sure because I didn't watch the game. Uh, Ronaldo has kind of carried them through these group stages. He scored in all five of these games. He is, I mean, everything that they imagined to, him to be, especially in this competition. And he's the reason why they're through. I think, you know, his performances, given in the Premier League, have been underwhelming. I think he's been incredible in the Champions League. And I mean, he's he's going down as and will go down as the the greatest player uh, specific to this competition. Uh, Nick, sorry, I am scrambling right now, but I have some breaking news to uh, break to the pod. Okay. Apparently, Ralph Ragnick is going to become the interim manager for Manchester United. Really. So that is the report coming out of the Athletic today. Ralph Ragnick is going to become the manager for six months, and then he's going to be taking a uh, consulting role for Manchester United. Okay. Support, uh, something to monitor, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, he is likely the backup option. He flew into Manchester at the start of the week. He rejected the initial offer. <laughs> but now has accepted the new terms. All right, can I can I give you my take on this? Yes. A triple plus. A triple plus. Uh, Lucas, so I don't know if you remember, but I was telling you about this guy like last year when uh, there was talks of Arteta getting fired. How I wanted him to, for for Ragnick to to be the person at the club. He has to be the man in charge. Like he has to be the guy. So yes. if. You know, with with uh, Leipzig, right, when he was the director and he was the manager, with Schalke, when he was in charge of them, that was like the best Schalke's been, you know, since they've fallen from grace. This guy is so good at uh, tracking talent for influencing, like, all the managers that have passed through through Germany. Uh, Tuchel, Nagelsmann, Hudson Hudel, Klopp, like, they all have learned stuff under him. 
he is, I mean, he's great. Like, I think he is uh, one of those managers where I would say he's kind of like Bielsa, not in terms of, uh, like, how he plays. Like, you, you can argue about their tactical goal, uh, tactical skills and, and wh- where they find the best value and how they manage. But in terms of how he's regarded uh, with other managers, they regard him as one of the best. Even though you look at his resume and you look at the teams he manages, similar to Bielsa, you don't think of it that way. Because you look at Leipzig, you look at Stoker, you look at Schalke, you know, Hoffenheim. Uh, Those are teams where they're good clubs, but they're not Manchester United, Real Madrid, Barcelona. He hasn't managed those clubs, but part of that is also because he wants to be the person that picks the ingredients for the dishes that he cooks. So, I mean, A+, plus. if he ends up getting a, a role as a consultant or even a di- director or is in a similar position to what Ed Woodward was, that's unbelievable for Manchester United. Like, I can go on and on about how much I've loved this guy. Like, he's so good at everything that he does. If I was running a club, I mean, listen, this is the knock, though, and I'll give it back to you in a sec. The knock is he does not stay in places for a long time. Like, he does not. Other than other than Hoffenheim, where he, he managed them for five, six years, he has not really stayed uh, for a long period of time, and that's the knock he has. But... Uh, I'm going to interrupt you there because it's a six month uh, agreement for him to be the interim manager. And then he's going to be a consultant for two years. So he's going to oversee the footballing aspect of it, work with Darren Fletcher, uh, work with John Murtaugh. And then he's going to bring in another manager, which is likely to be Ten Hag. Yeah, that's the that's the scenario that they're going with, because Ten Hag is one of those managers underneath Ragnick that he learned from him. <clears throat> so uh, cr- crazy breaking news just happened 15 minutes ago. <laughs> um, Congratulations. Hopefully it comes to fruition. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen anything from the Manchester United uh, account yet, waiting for a confirmation there. But then we will confirm uh, and get back. Yeah, and uh, let's just go back into the, the Champions League results, yeah. right? So um, I want to talk through, I'm going to just list the results out to everyone listening, and then we can talk about, you know, the shocking results that we had uh, and then the standings and everything. So uh, Bayern beats Dynamo Kiev 2-1. You, Chelsea smacks Juventus 4 nothing. Barcelona and Benfica draw. So Benfica claimed four points off of Barcelona in the group stages. Sevilla beats Wolfsburg 2-0, which they had to do to, to have a chance of making it to the next round. Malmo and Zenit draw. Lille beats Salzburg. Young Boys and Alanta draw 3-3. Lucas bet the over for that. Uh, Ajax beats uh, Besiktas 2-1. Inter beats Donetsk 2-0. Sporting beats Dortmund and knocks Dortmund out of the Champions League. Uh, I believe they have... Uh, qualified for Europe already, but they're out of the Champions League, so they lost 3-1. Man City beats PSG 2-1. Milan beats Atletico 1-0. So Milan has a shot at Europa League now. Liverpool beats Porto 2-0. Leipzig beats Club Rouge 5-0. And then Real Madrid beats Sheriff 3-0. Real Madrid, fun fact, out of the 30 appearances they've made in the Champions League, they have qualified for the knockout stages 30 times. Wow. Yep. Never, yeah. never not qualified for the uh, past the group stages, you know, so they, they've always made that at least the round of 16. With that being said, Lucas, uh, what results speak out to you the most and whose performances impressed you the most this round? All right. So I'm going to I'm going to call out three teams here. First team is Chelsea, of course, because that was an absolute dominant display against Juve. It was man against boys. Uh, They looked in top form right now. Uh, They look truly incredible. Reese James is in the form of his career. He scored an absolute banger to put four past Juve, which is typically a very, very defensive side, is an impressive feat. Um, That is, of course, propels them to the top of the group 
especially with that uh, goal differential. All Chelsea will need to do now is uh, win their next matchup, and then they will finish the group as first. But Juve and uh, Chelsea do both qualify. The next is Milan beating Atletico. That is a huge, huge result for Milan in the 90th minute goal. And the reason I'm saying that it's it's a big result for them is because you mentioned that qualifies them for Europa League. But that can help them get into the knockout stage of the Champions League. Yeah, They're in third place right now behind uh, Porto with four points. Atletico has four points and Porto has five points. Milan does have to go to Liverpool. So that'll be difficult. But if they can go and beat Liverpool, who are already on 15 points, who are likely going to bench some players, rest players, they can propel themselves into that second position. And if Atletico wins against Porto, it's very likely that AC Milan goes through with goal differential. So that is a very, very important result for them. 90th minute, if they had drawn, they would be completely knocked out. They wouldn't have a chance. But now they actually have a, a small glimmer of hope. And the third, and it's it's really, really baffling to see this, but it's Dortmund losing 3-1 to Sporting. I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. I guess Dortmund without Erling Holland is not the Dortmund of old. Like, they can't score. They don't have that potent striker. I, I don't know what's going on with them, but they were absolutely smashed. 3-1. They dominated the possession. They had more passes, but they couldn't do anything with the passes. They weren't clinical. Uh, yeah, man, it, it's really, really tough to see. They're going to be in the Europa League, which is crazy because Erling Holland. Over the last two weeks, he was knocked out of the World Cup. He was knocked out of the Champions League. And he hasn't even played. He was knocked out because Norway missed out of the World Cup qualifiers. And Dortmund missed out of the Champions League knockout stage. And he hasn't even played. He hasn't. He couldn't do anything to help them, to help his teams. Uh, It's very unfortunate for him. But I think he'll probably get pissed off and probably score 10 goals a game in the Europa League against the uh, bottom feeders. <laughs> um, yeah, so those are the t- three games that I wanted to call out, uh, the ones that really had a significant impact into their actual standings, into their actual groups. Yeah, uh, I, those are all good shouts. I, I have to agree with you. For Dortmund, just to talk about it real quick, I mean, Hummels got suspended with that red card, right? And... That was a kind of a horrible call. So he's out, and uh, Holland is hurt, and then Reyna is also out. So you have three players that are, you know, I mean, you could make an argument those are three of Dortmund's, like, five best players. Yeah. And, I mean, to have them out, like, that kind of that kind of has hurt Dortmund a lot. They've been hurt with a, a lot of injuries, and it sucks to see them to miss out, you know, but they've had such a, such a successful run. This is kind of like a, just a blip this year. So, I mean, if they were to be in the group stages next year, they'd be one of the favorites to go through again. So I, I don't think this is anything to kind of look at as something that's foreshadowing, like we can do with Barcelona drawing with Benfica. Uh, I have to agree with you. Those are all good shouts. You know, just to highlight Man City being, beating PSG, that continues to prove uh, what we said previously about them, Lucas, which is, you know, they can't do it by just having uh, their offensive players not track back. And uh, I know that, you know, there's misnomers about Mbappe and Neymar and whether they track back or not. They sometimes do and sometimes they don't. In this case, in this game particularly, they did not do it too often. Messi never does. That's not a knock against him. That's just how he plays. You know, they've been any team Messi has played on has been successful just with him doing what he's done previously, which is to rest uh, and not track back to be able to provide the offensive influence that he's capable of. So that being said, those are two results. And then also, I mean, I talked about this before, Barcelona and Benfica drawing. This puts Barcelona in a tough spot because they have to go to Bayern uh, to, to basically win 
and that'll secure their spot. Benfica, you know, if they draw with Kiev, that that'll end it for them. But I think Benfica will end up winning that game. And so you'll look at Barcelona and Barcelona will have to win against Bayern because a draw will not do it based on goal differential. If Benfica is to win and Barcelona is to draw, considering they're even on goal difference right now. And uh, Benfica also took four points off of them, which is crazy, right? Uh, and I just think that, you know, that being said, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Group E particularly. That being said, Lucas, I also have to say something. Um, I have a question for you. So, Wait, can I, can I in, jump in on Barcelona and Benfica quickly? Go for it. You said they Benfica took four points off Barcelona. It could have been six. Yep. It could have been six. In the 92nd minute, Seferovic had the worst sit that I've ever seen, in, uh, worst miss that I've ever seen in my entire life. It truly, it was so bad that even his manager said that I've never seen anything like it. He was one-on-one with the goalie. He chipped the goalie. And then he his shot just went so far wide. Like, he literally had an open net, went so far wide. If he made that, you'd be looking at Barcelona with six points and Benfica with seven points. Yeah. And that completely changes the group. It puts Benfica in the prime position to essentially move on. All they needed to do is draw against Dinamo Kiev. And Barcelona needed to uh, go in against Bayern. You expect Barcelona to lose. So it really, really is a crazy outcome. Seferovic is going to get benched for sure uh, because that it really hurts his team so much. Yeah, and he's not good. He's not good, man. I don't know why he's the striker of Switzerland. He, oh, man, he was so bad in, in the Euros. Yeah, and I don't know why Benfica plays them. I mean, I'd rather just not play him. I don't know who else they have to replace him, but I'd rather play anyone else. Uh, and then also, I just have to, I have to ask you this question before yeah. we, we move on. So uh, there are three players that have scored in all five games in the group stages. One of them we know is Ronaldo. Yeah. Can you guess the other two? Yeah. Okay. I know who the other two are. Who are the other two? Uh, Lewandowski. Yep. And Sebastian Haller. Yep. Yeah. Sebastian Haller, who's the top scorer yeah. with nine goals in five games. I mean, props to Ajax. I, you know what would be crazy, Lucas? I, I know if Ten Hag goes over to Manchester United, he loves him some Sebastian Haller. Who knows? Who knows? But I think, uh, I think, Ten, I think Ronaldo and Ten Hag's system would be incredible. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Ajax just continues to impress in the group stages. This is, this is reminding me of a run that's similar to what they did uh, when they made it to the semifinals because of the talent that that squad has. So we'll see. I think after the next group stages, I'm ex- uh, round of group uh, stage matches, I'm excited to talk about who we can see potentially contending based off of the performance in the group stages. But until then, I think we should move on to the uh, fixtures for this weekend. So I'll kick it back to you and uh, we can get started. All right. Big matchup of the weekend, Sunday morning, Chelsea versus United. Uh, 11.30 a.m. Eastern, Chelsea at home, like like I mentioned earlier, in the form of their careers. Uh, Manchester United, it's, it's a heated, heated rivalry. Um, it, it isn't the same rivalry, rivalry that it was like years ago, but man, it's still going to be tough. It is definitely going to be tough. Uh, and as we as we mentioned with Manchester United, we honestly don't know who the manager is going to be. Um, now I am seeing reports that uh, from Fabrizio Romano that Ralph Ragnick is in advanced talks to become the interim manager. So Fab has tweeted it. If Fab if Fab has tweeted it, then it means something is happening. Um, that is the big big matchup for Manchester United. They need three points, but I fully expect Chelsea in the form of their career. Like I mentioned, it I fully expect them to win uh, at home as well with Tuchel having them such a, a good place defensively. I feel like they haven't let up any goals this year. 
They've only let up four in the league, which is astonishing. Uh, the team is truly incredible, but United need this to bounce back. Uh, it's a big, big game for them. Yeah, I agree with you. And then I'd also, you know, we, we talked about uh, West Ham Liverpool like a few weeks ago, and we said, oh, Liverpool is going to beat West Ham, no problem. And West Ham gave it to them, like gave it to them. It was so shocking for me to watch. So Man City West Ham is also on my list. Uh, I can't count them out. I just, I just have been nothing short of impressed with them all year. Yeah. Uh, they, they continue to impress me. Moyes has just revitalized his career, but this is like the perfect spot for him. So I've been nothing short of impressed with them. And then I'd also love to see Crystal Palace, Aston Villa. I know that's a lower league fixture, but I, I want to continue to see how Steven Gerrard is uh, performing up against Patrick Vieira, who has had Crystal Palace perform. Uh, if you watch the games, right, you can see that Crystal Palace has a good method to what they do. They've been unbeaten for quite a while. So, you know, two potentially young, promising managers going at it. Uh, that's another interesting match that I'm curious to see what happens there. Yeah, that's a good shout. Uh, West Ham always make things fun. It, yep. It's so fun to watch. Uh, I think those are the main matches for the Premier League this weekend. Uh, nothing really to note there. La Liga, there is a two big matches, actually. Yep. Um, I, I'll let you speak to your team, but the first is Villarreal and Barcelona. Uh, I feel like this is going to be the Ajax, uh, the Xavi, like, welcome party. This is the actual game that Xavi has, like, a full week and a half, full two weeks to get his team into the rhythm. They couldn't really get into any tactics. Now they have four days to get the team tactically sound. I think this is the game where Barcelona are going to end up winning. And this is where Xavi is going to take that next step or really just uh, introduce himself to La Liga. Uh, I agree with you 100%. Villarreal have been uh, like so underwhelming this year, have really not performed up to their capabilities given the, the players that they have. Uh, Unai Emery's had a disappointing second season since uh, since winning the trophy with Villarreal, the Europa League, against your, your favorite team. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh, make it's fine, it's fine. Uh, but, you know, that's what happened. It was unfortunate. They shouldn't have won that final. They did it. And I feel like they're having kind of like this uh, second season slump, right? Where it's not as if they were in, uh, they were you know, in the second tier, and then they made it up last year. It's just they won their first major trophy ever for the club, and now they're kind of just in the middle of the table, and I kind of expect them to finish around there, around 12 to, to 8, to be quite honest. I don't, yeah. see, I don't see them getting into the, uh, the top six spots, given how good the other teams have been. You know, and I talked about last week, Barcelona seventh with 20 points, and I don't even know if they'll make the Champions League given how good the other teams have been playing. Uh, but like you said before, I expect them to win, and I think it'll be uh, Xavi's welcome party as well. Going into the other game, uh, we have Real Madrid versus Sevilla, which is so fun. Uh, you have third versus first. Technically speaking, right, Real Sociedad is second with 29 points, but they played an extra game. So in, in my opinion, these two teams have really been the best teams this year based on everything that I've seen. Uh, I mean, Sevilla's defense is, is like, in my opinion, the best in the league. They've just been so stout defensively. Real Madrid is the best offensive team in the league. So we have... Uh, an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object, essentially. And we're going to see how it plays out because these two teams also have the best goal differential. And, you know, I expect Real Madrid to win, but any result here uh, is open. Like, like Sevilla could win this match very well. I would not be shocked. And, you know, they could also draw. So we'll see what happens with this results. And I'm excited to watch this game. This is probably, in terms of all the, the leagues, the top five leagues, the, the game I want to personally see the most. 100%. And I think you have to lean towards Real Madrid. 
because they're home. Uh, they have the fans behind their back, and they have just come off a strong 3-0 victory and a 4-1 victory uh, in the league. 3-0 victory in Champions League, 4-1 victory in the league. Uh, their players are really sounding into form. Vinny Jr. is uh, doing incredible, incredible things. I don't think uh, we, me and you have talked about him on the side, but not on the pod uh, specifically, but he has been in incredible form. Lucas, before I give it back to you and we go into Serie A, so Vinicius Jr. already in the league has scored as many goals in, uh, as his last three seasons combined in the league. So he scored eight goals in 13 games this year. He scored three, three, and two in the previous, uh, previous three seasons going in uh, descending order. So really last year he had three. He had three the year before that, and then he had two. So those... I mean, he's just—he's been unbelievable. He's been the difference maker uh, with this Real Madrid team. Before we thought he would just make the Champions League, uh, or Real Madrid would just make the Champions League, and they—they they wouldn't have a shot to win either the league or the Champions League, because we thought it was Atletico's to lose. But he's really put them uh, in a different atmosphere, and the expectations have changed with that Real Madrid side. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent. All right, so going into Serie A, Lucas, uh, what matches stand out to you? I know there's one or two that you want to talk about. All right, let's see, let's see if you can read my mind. Okay, Juventus, Atalanta. Yeah. yeah. And Napoli, Lazio. Yep, yep. Those are the two big matches for the week. Uh, Napoli still in first place, coming off a loss against Inter. Inter gets back into that title picture. Um but they really need to bounce back. They need to uh, beat uh, Lazio at home. If they get that, it, they should be good. Napoli, in my opinion, still is the top team to beat. Given that the fact that they're in the Europa League, they they don't have to uh, worry about resting. Play- they can rest players during the week and they'll be fully fit. However, one thing to note with Napoli is that their main striker, Big O, I'm not going to say his name. Big O, Osimhen. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. I think that's good enough. He's out for a few months. He has gotten a head injury. I think he's had to have six plates put into his head. Uh, it's it's a crazy, scary injury. He is the main man for them, and not having him will be a brutal defeat for them. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's a big game to watch out for. Go ahead. I, I interrupted you. No, I was going to say, uh, I definitely agree with you for sure. The The thing that's that's good about Napoli is they have Dries Mertens uh, that can play that striker role. So if he was, if he, I mean, he's he's had seasons where he's been crazy good. So if he can replicate some of the form and uh, you can make up for it with Irving Lozano uh, also taking that role, then uh, then like there's a chance that they could make up for it, but it really sucks. That guy was having an unbelievable season, and I'm, I'm upset that you know that's happened to him because he's been really impressive. Yeah. And I, I don't, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy to see see where Napoli goes from here. But like you said, that opens up the door for Milan, who also lost last weekend, which is really interesting uh, for Milan and for Inter to, to get back into it, you know, and I'm excited to see how how it plays out. And then that second game, I mean, you read my mind. All, all it's screaming to me is over, over, over. Uh, it's going to be a goal fest, and I, I cannot wait for it. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. It's on Saturday. Juve and Atalanta both, Juve needs to bounce back. 100% we know they need to bounce back. After the getting thrashed by Chelsea, Atalanta, they had an embarrassing draw against Young Boys. Uh, they were up 2-0, and then Young Boys came back 3-2, and then it was a th- uh, that was a goal fest, too. Um, but yeah, that game is going to be really interesting. for. I-, I would say that's more so at top four, because Juve currently in eighth place with 21 points. If they get three points here against Atalanta, they'll be one point back of Atalanta. Yep. So it it will be interesting. Yeah, I expect Atalanta to win this one, though, to be quite honest. Oh, okay. Uh, They they always play Juventus really well. 
Uh, they, I mean, their games, if you're going to talk the Atalanta Juventus over, right, which we, we all love the Atalanta over, uh, they've hit the over for three and a half goals in, I think, four of their last five games or something like that. So if you bet just Atalanta three and a half, I think you get plus odds for that, plus 160 on FanDuel or something like that. Uh, you know, that's, I'm not going to say that that's my bet for the weekend, but those odds are, are pretty good, especially for a team that has conceded and scored goals. But uh, I like Atalanta to, to win this because Juventus haven't been anything special this year to me. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I, I'm just going back to see the over-under. So one over three and a half, one over two and a half, and then two unders is what I'm seeing. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, still, Atalanta loves to score. They don't play any defense. Uh, but, yeah, that's going to be a very fun game to watch. Are you, are you talking about their, their games, or are you talking about oh, like what the uh, over-under was for each of their, their games? Like the game. So one of the game was uh, Juve 3-1. The other was Atalanta 2-1. And then, uh, yeah. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I was talking about I was talking about Atalanta's, like, games in general. Like, they're full. Oh, okay. So, okay. like, Atalanta, for example, uh, they beat Sampdoria 3-1. They, uh, they drew with Lazio 2-2. Drew with Manchester United 2-2. Uh, beat Calgary 2-1. So that was the game where they were under three and a half, right? But Atalanta, Spezia, 5-2 Atalanta, and then Atalanta, Young Boys, 3-3. Three, three. So, so that's what I meant there in terms of their, their form. But historically, you're right. Historically, it's like 50-50 it's like typically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then also, before we go into our bets, I know we don't talk about the, the Bundesliga a lot, but uh, and I know we both know Bayern's going to win it, but just a shout, we don't have to go into detail about these games. We have Dortmund versus Wolfsburg, uh, and then you also have Bayer Leverkusen versus RB Leipzig. So, so two good games this weekend. Uh, excited to see what happens with those. Shout out to SC Freiburg. Somehow they're still in third place. I don't know how they've been. I mean, they've been playing uh, cut above, you know, even though they've lost their last two games. But shout out to them. Keep chugging along, boys. And with that, let's get into the bets of the week. Oh, yes. All right. Uh, I'll let you take the first one. Okay, so I have uh, Monchen Gladbach over uh, FC Köln. So I have that result. Uh, for uh, On FanDuel, I believe Monchen Gladbach was plus 160 to win. And then I also had a uh, draw no bet for them to be minus 120. So... The reason why I like this bet is because Montreal-Gladbach has only lost once in their last eight games. And uh, they're coming up. They had a really bad start to the season. They're starting to pick it up. And uh, Cohn historically has not been a really good team. So I just feel like that matchup, I enjoy that uh, quite a bit. And I think that, you know, you may not be guaranteed uh, a win if you were to bet uh, Montreal-Gladbach outright. But I like the, the odds for the draw no bet, so I'd be tempted to, to pick that as my first game. So I'm going to lock that in. All right, all right. I like that. My first one is Real Madrid to win outright money line minus 140. Uh, like I said, they're in incredible form. I can see Vinny and Benzema scoring uh, and ending up uh, winning against Sevilla and then taking them to the next level. Uh, uh, three points clear of Sevilla. Yeah. So my next one is actually going to be uh, Real Sociedad over Espanol. So I like that because Real Sociedad's second. It's plus 125 for Real Sociedad to win outright. Uh, if I look at the draw, no bet, which we, you know, I always like to consider. Real Sociedad's minus 165. So like I said, I like those odds. And then uh, if you want me to throw the part two, right? Because we talked about Villarreal Barcelona. Uh, we we didn't we thought both thought that Barcelona should win it. Mm -hmm. You know, Barcelona to win outright plus one sixty on FanDuel. So I also like that bet as well. Okay. My second one is Chelsea versus United over two and a half at minus one twenty five. I really like that just because United don't score. Uh, United don't, uh, they always concede. 
So they, okay. no matter what, they always concede a goal. Um, especially given that they had a clean sheet this past week, it's inevitable that they'll concede this upcoming week. Uh, and I can see them getting one goal against Chelsea. It's in Chelsea. So I see Tuchel just getting two goals. I, I, I see it being like a 2-1 or a 3-1. Um, okay. So that that's my prediction with that game. But we also have to give a special shout-out to the city, uh, Atalanta and uh, Juve. Like you said, over 2.5 is minus 150, but you can get over 3.5 at plus 160. I, I would say go with the over 2.5, get that minus 150, because you can secure yourself getting a 2-1 uh, victory or a 2-2. Mm-hmm. But if you want to get ballsy... I would say uh, you can go for the over three and a half, and I think that would be an okay bet. Yeah, I, I think that's good. Uh, you know, the Premier League this weekend, the fixtures, the way they line up, it's very difficult to bet any of them unless you're going to do any time goal scorer for, for some of the fixtures. Yeah. So, so, I mean, like you're looking at like Liverpool, Southampton, like, yeah, we think Liverpool is going to win, but the odds are minus 360. So that's why it makes it very difficult to – uh, find bets this weekend, particularly for the, the Premier League. Yeah. All right. With that being said, Lucas, uh, is there any other topic you'd like to talk about? No, I think we had a great pod this week. We covered off on a lot of topics on this great Thanksgiving day. Uh, that's it. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about? Well, okay. So, so Lucas, I actually did. Uh, I was going to bring this up with Bayern going to the Champions League. How much – so do you know about Joshua Kimmich and his desire to not get vaccinated? Now, listen, listen. Oh. before before we get into this, it's not uh, – whether or not we believe people should get vaccinated or not, That we're not going to discuss that. But yeah. with, with Kimmich, uh, him in particular and athletes in particular, there are various protocols you must follow – uh, you know, and if you are not vaccinated, then you make it a lot difficult for your teammates and also for yourself for the things you have to do. Example, you have to quarantine for a few weeks so you miss some games or like after international duty. If you're vaccinated, you don't have to deal with that. So those are some things that potentially end up costing uh, players money. Yeah. For- Kimmich, right, because he is not vaccinated and he's been extremely, like, outspoken on it, which is, uh, like, a different thing. He has recently tested positive for COVID, right? So because he has tested positive, he does not collect money, I believe, uh, like, his game checks because he has tested positive and he is unvaccinated. So I just think that that that's something that's super fascinating to follow, like, it's just an interesting story whether or not he decides to end up doing it or not uh, because of how outspoken he is and because he has gotten it. Now he can't get vaccinated, I believe, for like another six months. So it's a win-win for him, I guess, in his mind, if he's able to overcome it. But I just think it's interesting, not for for that aspect, but because Bayern want him to get vaccinated, right? The like Germans uh, generally believe that it is important, especially, you know, clubs where uh, the basis of the, their existence is sports, which it is with Bayern Munich. It's ex- in- interesting to see how their relationship changes now uh, because of the difficulties and the, the fight that the board has had with Kimmich about getting vaccinated. So something to monitor. Uh, maybe Kimmich ends up going somewhere else or, or something ends up happening between, between the two of them. But uh, he's, in my opinion, one of the five best midfielders in the world so just something interesting to to monitor so that's what i wanted to to offer up to you i don't know if you have any thoughts on that or not i dude i actually didn't know any of that yeah that, you look to it that, that could have serious implications with byron themselves like he's a star like he he is one of the reasons why they're so good in the midfield he is so technically sound wow yeah yeah, super interesting. So he's going to be out, I believe, and uh, we're going to see what happens and, and whether or not he ends up moving to, uh, to a different club potentially because of it. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess for that, we'll definitely just keep monitoring it. Yeah. But, whew, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Other than that. Wait, wait, I have a question for you then. 
Is yeah. there uh, are there any other Bayern players that are unvaccinated, or is it that they just haven't made it openly known? So I'm not sure, but I do know uh, that Eric uh, Maxim Chopo Moteng also tested positive. So I don't know if that that matters to whether or not he's vaccinated. I know for sure Kimmich uh, was the one that that ended up getting it and was outspoken about it. Okay. Uh, for for the other players, right? Serge Narby, Jamal Musiala, and Michael uh, Kusanch, they both they all entered quarantine. Uh, so they're all they were all quarantining like on Sunday this past Sunday. Yeah. And I, I think that's also part of the reason why they lost to Augsburg uh, on Friday. It's because they didn't have a lot of their players due to to due to quarantine, uh, due to rest, etc. So that's something else that's going on. Kind of crazy. Because uh, crazy situation, basically. You know, Nicholas Sewell and uh, Stanisic, who, uh, like, I don't really know too much about, but I know a lot about Sewell. And he just returned to training after self-isolating because he also tested positive for COVID-19 earlier in the month. So just something crazy that Bayern is battling. Uh, I think maybe we should look into it uh, and probably discuss it later on in a, in a different episode if the situation continues to, to get worse for them. That's very interesting. I wonder if it's just a German thing or if it's like all across Europe. Um, Cause I know each country has their own different restrictions and rules and regulations. So yeah, definitely something to look into for, for an upcoming pod. And you haven't, you haven't seen or heard anything that bad really with Prem clubs, right? Like I haven't heard too much with Premier League clubs uh, no, 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 nothing else really except for what's happening with Bayern, you know, because they have to deal with all the teams, uh, players on international duty Yeah. and the, the quarantining if, uh, they're not vaccinated, but just, just really crazy situation going on with them. Very, very. <laughs> all right. Well, with that being said, enjoy them techers. Enjoy them techers, boys. <laughs> have a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you uh, enjoyed the show. Yep. Bye, guys. Bye.